friends this morning, uh, we're jumping into the middle of Isaiah, and you can find the text on page 1036 in your pew Bibles, and you're probably going to want to keep it open, because we'll be referring back to it a couple of times. And the book of Isaiah is written to people who were in captivity. Uh, the first half of the book says you're going to go into captivity, you're blowing it, you're dropping the ball, you're disobeying God, you're going to go into captivity, and they were all like, no, 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 we're not. And then the Babylonians come, and sure enough, they conquer them, they destroy their city, they march them into captivity. And then the second half of the book, which is the part we're reading from, says, but there's something else that's going to happen. And so we're jumping in to the prophet Isaiah. Better. Uh, we're jumping into the prophet of Isaiah speaking a new word to the people of Judah. So we are reading from Isaiah 43, verses 16 through 21. Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Now just hold on a second. Do you get what, uh, what God's talking about here? What is the reference? He's saying, remember the time that I did this thing? The Red Sea, right? So many of you know this story. This is when uh, the people are leaving Egypt and Pharaoh is chasing them and they're going to cross the sea and they're really, really scared and God parts the sea so they can go through and when Pharaoh and his army try to go through, the waters come over them. That's what he's referring to here. And then God says in verse 18 this, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. This is the word of the Lord. As the movie begins, you realize you're watching the story of a man who is stuck in grief. His wife has died. His life is empty. All the rhythms and routines that he has built into his life don't really matter that much anymore. He's stuck. And he would really like to be left alone. But as the movie unfolds, you see what happens when people don't leave him alone. And he wrestles with whether he wants to stay stuck or move on. The movie is called A Man Called Otto. And if you haven't seen it, I strongly recommend it. It's delightful. Hang in there through the first 20 minutes. Just hang in there. But it's a great picture of somebody who gets stuck in grief. It's very common for people to get stuck in grief. It's very common for people to get emotionally stuck. Parents who lose children can get stuck. Children who lose parents can get stuck. People going through divorce can get stuck. Athletes who lose the big game can get stuck. 
We all can get stuck in old habits and routines and and then the thought pattern of it will never get better than this or the old days were so much better. We can all get stuck. Isaiah 43 was written to people who are stuck. Now the people of Judah are actually stuck in the country of Babylon. Their temple, the capital city of Jerusalem, the nation of Judah, all of it was destroyed when the Babylonians came in, and the Babylonians marched them back to their home in Babylon. Now, they've been in Babylon for a couple of generations, and some people are stuck there. They're pretty sure this is as good as it's going to get. They remember what Judah looked like when they left. It was burned to the ground. It was literally a hot mess. And they say, well, I'm not going back. We're not going back there. At least here, we've got work and food. It's good enough. And other people are stuck because they think their best days with God are behind them. Once upon a time, he loved us and had mercy on us, and he did cool things. But that's in the past. Remember those days? Those days were great. When God showed up and he did stuff, that was awesome. Remember that? Remember when? We understand that because we do a lot of that. Remember when the kids were little and we dressed them all in matching jammies? Remember when our biggest problem was passing midterms? Remember when Bush was president? Remember when Obama was? Remember when we had Pastor Larry or Pastor Echo or Pastor Dave or Pastor Stefan? Remember when? That was great. Those were the days. We long sometimes for days that are past, but our longing for the past makes us miss what's actually happening right now. We forget the beautiful fact that the children can now dress themselves. And we haven't changed a diaper in years. We forget the fact that the student who's going through midterms needs our encouragement right now, even though midterm exams seem pretty minor to us. We forget that there are no perfect political leaders and no perfect pastors and no perfect churches. And the good old days weren't good for everyone. When we get stuck looking back, Most of all, we miss what God is up to right now. That's what Isaiah 43 is talking about. God God says it really in kind of a funny way. Remember when I parted the water and then you guys went through and then your enemies went through and then I drowned them? Wasn't that great? Yeah, forget that. (laughs) Don't dwell on that. We're beyond that now. I'm doing something new. Don't get stuck there. Don't get stuck. Yes, the land you left behind was burned to the ground. Yes, all the wild animals have taken over it now. Yes, all of that is true. But guess what? Remember how I made dry land come out of the middle of water? Well, now he says in verse 19, I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I'm doing exactly the opposite thing. I can make dry land appear in the middle of water, and I can make water appear in the middle of dry land. I can restore things that have been burned down. 
I can bring back things that you thought were long gone. I can call you into a bigger future than you could ever imagine. That's what God is saying here in Isaiah 43. The people of Judah had been tempted to think that God was just done with them, that their best days with the Lord were behind them. And Isaiah shows up with a message from God that says, nope, not at all. There are great moments ahead. God is up to something. God is a God of fresh beginnings and new hope. And he's doing something beautiful and holy and righteous right now. Look for it. Pay attention to it. After years in captivity, years of being punished for their disobedience, the people of Judah get this word. God is not finished yet. And that's a word they needed to hear. And that's a word we need to hear. We need it as a church. We have anxiety over pastoral search and we have anxiety over congregational votes, and we think, what is happening here? We hope things will go this way, or we hope things will go that way, and it's easy to say things like, remember how it was before Synod did such and such and so and so? Remember how that was? That was nice. It's really easy to get stuck there. It's really easy to look ahead and think, nah, I don't know, I don't think God's going to be with us in this. I don't know if he's big enough for that. And we read Isaiah 43, and God says to us, hey, don't get stuck. God is still at work in this congregation, and he's still at work in this denomination, and people are still going to come to Jesus through all of the beautiful people that have made the Christian Reformed Church or Elder Park their home. God's not done yet. Don't you dare give up. Don't you get stuck. Remember those? No. Remember those? No. Eyes up, God says. I'm doing something new. I'm doing something beyond what you could ask or imagine. And we don't only need this as a congregation. We need this in our relationships, in our families, in our marriage, in our parenting. Maybe you're still hurting over a comment that was made at a family reunion this summer. Maybe there is someone that you have avoided talking to for a long time. Maybe you're in a season of marriage or parenting and you think, it'll never get better. The words of Isaiah remind us that even when something feels like it's falling apart, something feels unredeemable, something feels like it is beyond us, that we can't endure yet another minute, God is at work. God is always working to move us from despair to hope, from giving up to going on, from death to life. God is not finished yet. And we know this. We've seen this. We can give testimony to this. Some of us have seen estranged relationships get repaired. Many of us have survived the toddler years. Can I get a witness? (laughs) Many of us have survived the teenage years. Can I get a witness? Look at the hands upon you. Look at the people. Lean in. You got people. You're not alone. 
And your teenagers survived you. Can I get a witness, my teenagers? <laughs> Isaiah 43 reminds us that God is always up to something. Now, we may wish that God move faster. We would wish that he would give updates. A progress report, maybe. A detailed strategic plan. A business model. Some sort of roadmap that says how exactly we're going to move from here to there, from pain to relief, from disease to health, from separate to together. We'd like a little more data. But that's not what God does. We don't get details. We don't get the day by day. God, unfortunately, does not text us. But here, right here, right now, today, we know something that the prophet didn't know. Isaiah told the people that God was doing something new. And through the second half of Isaiah, he talks about restoration and renewal. He talks about someone coming from the line of David. But Isaiah really didn't know what that meant. We do. We know what happens after Isaiah 43 and 44 and 45. We know how the story goes on. You see, many of the people who are trapped and stuck in Babylon actually end up going back to Judah. And the temple does get restored, and their land is rebuilt, and Jerusalem is reconstructed. And the people go back, and they settle in Jerusalem, and they settle in Capernaum, and they settle in Bethlehem, and they settle in a little town in the middle of nowhere called Nazareth. And one day... An angel shows up to a girl living in that small backwater town and says to her, God is up to something. And she believes. After all those years, she believes. And a baby is born from the tribe of Judah, a descendant of David. And he grows up. And he's baptized, and he's tempted, and he calls disciples, and he teaches, and he preaches, and he heals people, and everybody thinks God is up to something now. God is up to something, and he has loved, and he has hated, and he has killed. And the darkness of Good Friday and the Saturday after the people had to be wondering, what is God up to now? Were we wrong? Did we miss out? Are our best days behind us? The couple on the road to Emmaus put it well. They're walking, they're upset. Someone comes up alongside and says, what are you so upset about? They said, oh, there was this guy who was amazing. He did all these cool things. We had hoped that he would be the one to save us. We had hoped. And you hear in that they're longing for the days gone by. Remember the miracles? Remember the teachings? Weren't those the good days? Remember that? And Jesus, in all of his compassion, says, uh-uh, no, no. Uh-uh, stop, no, 
Remember, no, eyes here. I'm doing something now. I'm alive now. And he explains to him them using all of the, the books that they knew about how the Messiah was supposed to show up and do all these things and be killed and rise again. And they're, they're amazed by it all. Because in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. God has done an amazing new thing. And today, Jesus shows up in our midst and he says, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. I'm still redeeming people and calling them back to me. I'm still healing people and teaching people. Because of me, parents forgive kids and kids forgive parents, and relationships are restored, and people become sober, and lives are renewed, and people who don't get, agree with each other on anything still come together and sing the same songs. Jesus says, I'm doing a new thing all the time. Are you paying attention? Are you looking? Because I'm up to something every day in your individual life, in the life of your family, in your friendships, in your work, in your church, in your world. God isn't finished yet. We look at something that's dry and barren and we think nothing will come from that. And God says, watch me. I can make the desert bloom. I can make dry land where there is water and water where there is dry land. See, I'm doing a new thing. Watch for it. Watch for it. Right here in this place right now. Elders and deacons, your call is to help us see the new thing. We don't even know what it's going to look like. You don't know what it's going to look like. But you don't have to worry about it. Because you get to discover what God is up to in our congregation. You get to point to it and call us to it. So don't be afraid. You're not doing this by yourselves. We all said today, we're going to help. We're leaning in. So take your bulletin home. And pray for these folks, because we've got some stuff coming up. Can I get a witness? we got some stuff coming up, okay? Let's pray it up. They're not making these decisions on their own. We're trusting the Holy Spirit to guide us all. We're trusting that God himself can bring water in the wastelands, streams in the desert. He's doing a new thing. Watch for it. Will you pray with me? Our God, we give you praise and thanks that you don't let us stay stuck, that you call us to see what you are up to, that you call us to trust you for the future. Holy Spirit, we pray that you prompt all of us this week and in the weeks to come to be prayerful for our community, our church, our elders and deacons, our interim pastor. God, we pray that we are attentive most of all to you and what you are up to. 
May our own wills or wishes be long down the line from what you want. So help us to listen well. Help us to watch and see the new things. We pray this through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of the church. Amen.